0: The reading today is uh, from John 13. I'm going to read from verse 3 to 5, and then verse 12 to 17, and it's from the English Standard Version. John 13, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper... He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it round his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 12. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus laid aside and said, you will be blessed if you do them. As a bit of a recap, um, we're coming to the end of our Servant Heart series Uh, Joe Clark kicked off the series highlighting the difference between a volunteer, a slave and a servant, looking at the life of Ruth. He followed it up, looking at the heart to serve with Naaman's wife's servant girl. Then it was the character of a servant, where I talked about the life of Joseph, how characters formed in our assignment, even in confinement. Phil Miles looked at three parables to identify what servanthood looked like in the stories that Jesus told and last week Rachel Jenkins looked at the extravagance of the alabaster jar that we don't give God our leftovers but serve with abandon and if you didn't get any of those they're all on podcast on iTunes or you can get them from the Junction 10 app and I hope that over the past five weeks God has spoken to you and that you've reflected on your servant heart and I was saying to Rachel at the beginning of the service that um, you've been told for the last few weeks that there are no bookmarks left. Well, look what I've got. And there are lots of them on the desk. Now, I would like to think that the one or two that were left in the bottom of the steward's bag God multiplied like he did with the, with the loaves and the fishes. Or it could just be that we forgot them and they were at the bottom of the bag. But I'd like to think that it was miraculous. Um, But today is Palm Sunday, the day that the church traditionally commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry, as we heard earlier, into Jerusalem, with a crowd hailing him as king, shouting, Hosanna, King of Salvation. Today is the start of Passion Week, a week that will end in Jesus' crucifixion on Good Friday, Dave and then the empty tomb and folded grave clothes of his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. And this final sermon in our Servant Heart series encourages us to gaze at Jesus, the Servant King. I just want to draw out just a few themes from our text today. I want to talk about Jesus serving from sonship. And I want to talk about Jesus laying aside to serve and I want to mention mantles so in the light of what Jesus did for us today is not a day just to hear about this wonderful servant king it's not a time time to just sit in our seats for 30 minutes and that's it Don't leave here this morning just having listened to a bit more information. This morning, I plead with you right at the start, right now, that you resolve in your soul, not just to listen with your ears, but to hear with your spirit. That you'll leave here not only with information, but with revelation. That you this morning, 20th of March, 2016, are willing to allow God to break into your life. That you say yes to let God show you how he wants you to be more like his precious son. You see, the Bible has verses galore instructing us and inviting us to be more and more like Christ. To follow in his footsteps. To be imitators of Christ. That we should put on Christ. Put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. That we, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. So this morning isn't a morning to passively listen to facts about Jesus. But instead... Ask the question, how can I become more like him? How can I let God transform me more into Christ's likeness? How can I surrender to King Jesus' loving embrace? Because Jesus is king. On Palm Sunday, the crowd recognised him as king. At his trial, Pilate recognised him as king. At his crucifixion, It was written above the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But you see, Jesus wasn't the king that the religious expected. Many religious leaders completely missed out on the one thing that they'd longed for. They missed out on Messiah. They missed out on Jesus' kingship because his kingdom was not the kingdom they were looking for. And it can be the same today. Jesus came with an offensive message to those religious leaders. He came to reveal God as Abba, as Daddy, and Jesus called himself Son. A message that was blasphemous to the Pharisees of his time and is still an obstacle to religious people today. You see, religion can cope with God as some sort of intellectual far-off concept. Religion can easily accept father as a term because in the West, father's become a bit more of a formal way of addressing your parent. And it reminds me, I don't know whether you've seen the film Mary Poppins. At the very start, Jane and Michael Banks address their daddy, but they address him as father, the distant, aloof, authoritarian Mr Banks. And I wonder how many people often See God that way. But Jesus used the intimate and childlike term that all Jewish sons and daughters uh, had learned right at the knees of their parents to address their daddy, their Abba. Two syllables made up of two very basic sounds, Abba, the easy sounds that all our little babies make. But don't just take Jesus' word for his sonship. God himself confirmed it on the Mount of Transfiguration and at Jesus' baptism. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. But, but why is it important as we end our Servant heart series that we start with a king, but we talk about a son? Proverbs 30, verse 21 and 22 says, Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. A servant who becomes a king, a fool when he's filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. I just want to focus on that first one. Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear, a servant who becomes a king. A few weeks back, I mentioned a quote from N.T. Wright. Forget happiness. You were called for a throne. How will you prepare for it? Friends, you are made to rule and reign in the kingdom. You are co-heirs with Christ. But to truly occupy that authority, we have to start with sonship and daughterhood, not with kingship. Because if we truly know, as Jesus did, that we are sons and daughters, if we have that intimate relationship with Abba, if we live from that revelation and experience of the Father's love, then our security is in that identity. And like Jesus, we can rule as kings and yet take the mantle of a servant. The proverb said that the earth trembles when a servant becomes a king. Why? Because a servant hasn't learnt the mentality to reign. That verse in the Bible that's translated servant is also translated slave. And in fact they're more or less the same thing. Um, slaves and servants in Jesus' time were on the lowest rung of the ladder. They were property. They weren't your Downton Abbey-type servants. So what mentality did these slaves, these servants have? They were worthless. They were downtrodden. No self-confidence, low self-esteem, no self-worth. And if someone is a servant or slave, but not a son or a daughter, then the technical term for that is an orphan. A king has authority, and so the earth quakes at how that power is exercised by someone with a slave mentality, an orphan heart. You see, a servant with an unhealed orphan heart has some serious problems when it comes to power and authority compared to a son or a daughter. The orphan heart sees God as master, whereas the heart of a son or daughter sees God as father. An orphan heart is independent and self-reliant. It doesn't live from reliance on God. It strives for praise and approval rather than living from approval in God's total acceptance and love. It lives by the law of rather than the law of love. An orphan sees everyone else's faults and exposes them and accuses them in order to make the other look bad and themselves look better, rather than covering others with love while seeking to restore them in a spirit of love and gentleness. The orphan is guarded. The orphan has conditional expressions of love based on performance and meeting their own needs. Whereas a son or a daughter is is open, is patient, affectionate. They lay their life down in order to meet the needs of others when they serve. Orphans fight for what they can get. Having the heart of a son or a daughter releases your inheritance. And when it comes to serving, an orphan's motive in serving comes from a personal achievement as they seek to impress God and others around them. Whereas a son or a daughter serves motivated by the deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved. So can you see why the earth quakes? Can you imagine how orphans, servants who become kings, might exercise their rule? Can you see how they might use their authority? And perhaps you've seen such people at work or in your communities, maybe even at church. Driven, performance-orientated, competitive, envious, materialistic, trusting in their own gift. The list goes on. We can't earn our sonship or daughterhood, no matter how hard we try. We can't win it by performing well. We can't regain sonship or daughterhood with the Father. Because we can't regain something we never had. Instead, all we have to do is step into the embrace of the unconditional love of Father God and receive the heart of sonship and daughterhood that will displace the orphan heart. You see, love is the key because perfect love casts out fear. With a love-filled heart of a son or a daughter, we can be prepared for a throne without any fear. We can become a kingdom and a royal priesthood who, like Jesus, takes on the mantle of a servant. And this is a long context, but it's the whole context for our scripture today. So let's go back to that verse that I read right at the beginning and pack it and see from the posture of sonship and daughterhood, how we might follow our master's lead. So John 13, verse 3 said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. I'll pause there. The Apostle John begins this scripture in a very purposeful way. He doesn't start by talking about servanthood first, When he talks about Jesus, he talks about his confidence, his true origin, and his destination. In terms of his confidence, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, Jesus knew that he lacked nothing. He knew that the entire resources of heaven were at his disposal. He needed temple taxes. He told Peter to go and catch a fish, open the mouth, and there was enough money in there to pay his and Peter's temple tax. He had a massive crowd and a few loaves and fish. No problem. He prayed to heaven, gave thanks, broke it, and the multitudes were fed. And there were baskets left over. And in Passion Week, the sentiment of Jesus' endless access to heaven's unlimited resources is echoed in Gethsemane. When the crowd comes to take Jesus, Jesus says, Do you think I cannot call on my Father And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legion of angels. Jesus knew that he was operating from unlimited resources. But our world and our culture is based on a very deep-rooted, zero-sum capitalist system, which means if I win, you lose. If you win, I lose. And too often, this can pervade the church in our Christian life. And we end up with a poverty mentality operating from a fear of lack rather than a confidence in abundance. But if our servanthood is rooted in confidence in abundance because we really, really, really know that the Father loves us, then we can freely give because we're freely received. And we can totally rely on the resources of heaven to be at our disposal. But as well as confidence, Jesus also knew his true origin. Jesus was rooted in the fact that he had come from God. And we need to be the same. Knowing that when we are born again, born from above, not only did we become sons and daughters, but we became citizens of a heavenly kingdom. That our true origin is no longer the earthly realm, we are in the earth but not of it. Now we serve from a higher reality. Jesus knew his destination; he was going back to God, and when we have that absolute certainty that our destination is to be in glory with Jesus, then the death of this mortal earthly body, this life is not the final ending. Death has no sting. Grave has no victory. And then our servanthood is focused on our destination and our heavenly reward. We build up treasure in a different kingdom. And now, I come to the real point of this sermon. A very precious one in verse 4. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Laying aside. The imagery of Jesus taking off his garments and laying them aside has been with me for quite a while as a model of how Jesus humbled himself as a servant. And early translation uh, of the Bible doesn't actually have that word outer before garments. So where it says Jesus took off his outer garments, commentaries suggest it might be more accurate to say that Jesus was almost naked. All he had was a loincloth and the towel that he took to gird himself with. Jesus laid aside and humbled himself. Humility is one of the most underrated yet important qualities that Christians can possess. Time and time again, the Scriptures implore us not to be proud but to humble ourselves. And you know what? Humility is such an important quality for us to develop that if we don't humble ourselves, I promise you, God will humble us. Matthew 23, verse 12, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, And those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. How we live this servant life is vitally important. When we lack humility, something that should be awesome turns terrible. Do you get that? When we lack humility, something that should be awesome turns terrible. Humility and love go hand in hand. If we serve, but we're not humble, then serving becomes a tool to get what we want. And if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If my generosity isn't produced from humility and love, then generosity becomes a reinforcement of my pride. The gifts and the fruits of the Spirit need a foundation of humility. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Humility changes the way of your character. If you're steep in, steeped in humbleness, it changes your gifts. And love changes the whole expression of your life. Commentary suggests that Jesus took off and laid aside his robe without seam. And this symbolizes laying aside his dignity and glory. The Bible talks about Jesus emptied himself, took on the form of a man to come to us, humanity. Jesus removed anything that would hinder him from the task set before him. This seamless uh, robe, this garment that Jesus laid aside, is sometimes called a mantle. What's a mantle? Uh, interestingly, Ian Williams, who's one of the national leaders in the ARG, recently wrote in ARG News, 1 uh, Kings 19 relays the account of Elijah discovering Elisha in a field, playing with his team of 12 oxen. Whereupon Elijah goes up to him and throws his mantle his cloak of Elisha resulting in Elisha taking his plow and tackle destroying them following Elijah and becoming his right-hand man as we think about Jesus laying aside his mantle just four things to quickly draw out about mantles number 1 it's God that determines the size and the shape of our mantle a mantle isn't ours for the choosing but's determined by god ahead of time number 2 god has more than one mantle for us to wear elisha wore the garb of a servant before he wore the mantle of a prophet joseph who we heard of in this series wore a number of different cloaks the coat of many color, colors the cloak of head servant in potiphar's household the prisoner's uniform and eventually The fine linens of royal palace. So, God determines the size and shape of our mantle. God has more than one mantle for us to wear. Number three, serving, which is what we're talking about today. Serving positions us for the mantle God has designed for us. Serving positions us for the mantle that God's designed for us. Elisha served Elijah by supporting him in the mundane, ordinary tasks of everyday life. Joseph served in adverse circumstances, which ultimately positioned him for the mantle of leadership in the palace. And finally, we must learn to wait for the appointment and the appropriate mantle. We don't appoint ourselves. We must wait patiently for God's timing and God's fitting. Elisha waited to succeed Elijah, and his patience was rewarded with a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Joseph couldn't get himself out of prison, but as God's appointed time, he had meteoric promotion. And we need to learn to be patient as we journey through the seasons, the tests, the challenges always remembering that God's timeline for our lives is perfect and that he positions us and covers us with the appropriate mantle for that time and that season. The mantle that you wear is a symbol and a representation of your God appointment to our nation and to your community. The recognition of your calling, your gifting and ministry. And let me tell you, God never makes a mistake. As we conclude, and the band comes back, um, Hebrews 7, verse 17, is talking about Jesus. For it is declared that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Little is known about Melchizedek, other than he was king of Salem and a priest. The passage says that Jesus wore the mantle of Melchizedek, king and priest. Yet Jesus, housed in humility and completely lovingly, was prepared to remove his kingly and his priestly mantles that he was rightly entitled to. He laid them aside so that he could serve the disciples and wash their feet. As the soldiers rolled dice for Jesus' mantle without seam. Jesus laid aside his life on a cross that we could have eternal life. I wonder what mantle you're wearing right now. Is it a mantle God gave you? Perhaps it's one you might have made for yourself. Perhaps it fitted you for a while, but has become ill-fitting now. I wonder... What's getting in the way of you serving? I wonder whether here today you might be someone that God's asking you to lay aside your present mantle. Perhaps God's got another one for you that's better fitting for the season ahead. Maybe He just wants you naked and humble to strip everything away that would get in the way of wearing the true mantle he's prepared for you. In the Garden of Gethsemane, later on, Jesus would lay aside, but this time it would be laying aside his own will, as Rachel read just before communion, and surrendering to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus washes his disciples' feet, then tells them to follow his example, and he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And Jesus says the same for us today, that we lay down our lives, that we surrender, That we accept our positions as sons and daughters co-heirs with Christ and with confidence in our identity, we lay aside those things that would hinder us and serve. As that song said, in the light of everything, look what you've done for me, Jesus. How can I serve? What can I do for you, my Lord? Stewards are going to come round now with some forms. And just before the band plays, uh, we're going to dim the lights and we're going to conclude with a video clip. As the stewards come round with the forms, um, when the band plays later, make that a time of reflection. Youth, you take a form as well. This is not about whether you're too old to serve or too young to serve. And on these forms are some of the ways that you can serve at Junction 10. We've already heard this morning, serving takes lots of different ways. We heard about Daza serving in the house move. We heard about people serving each other at Blockswich Hospital. But as we've done this series on servanthood, this is the opportunity. You'd say, okay, I'm part of this community In the light of that, how do I serve this community, this church at Junction 10? So we're just gonna dim the lights. We're gonna play a video clip. And at the end of that, the band are just gonna lead us as we reflect on that. Listen to the Holy Spirit.
1: Now before the feast of the Passover, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once little children yet a little while I am with you you will seek me just as I said to the Jews so now I also say to you where I am going you cannot come a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another